Good morning and welcome to the First Unitarian Universalist Church of Austin. We are a spiritual and spirited community dedicated to the free search for truth and meaning, and we're very glad you're here. Today we're talking about depression, which will explain the music. We come from a heritage of teaching that there's a spark of the divine in everyone. So the way we greet the divine on a Sunday morning is turn to the people around us and welcome them here this morning. Let's say together the words by which we light our chalice, which is the symbol of our faith. Love is the spirit of this church, and service is its law. This is our great covenant, to dwell together in peace, to seek the truth in love, and to help one another. Our call to worship this morning is from Albert Schweitzer. At times, our own light goes out and is rekindled by a spark from another person. Each of us has cause to think with deep gratitude of those who have lighted the flame within us. It is always good to have a mission which guides your decisions and your direction. This congregation's mission has recently evolved as this congregation has evolved, as our situation in the world has evolved. We write our mission on the wall and we say it together every Sunday, even though this mission says a very difficult thing that we want to commit ourselves to building the beloved community to helping the many millions of people who are building the beloved community. And you know how difficult it is to build a beloved community even in your van during family vacation (laughs) when it's just y'all. So imagine the difficulty with all of us and then all of them out there, all of us out there. Still we say it. Together. We nourish souls, transform lives, and do justice to build the beloved community. Our reading is Wild Geese by Mary Oliver. You do not have to be good. You do not have to walk on your knees for a hundred miles through the desert, repenting. You only have to let the soft animal of your body love what it loves. Tell me about despair, yours, and I will tell you mine. Meanwhile, the world goes on. Meanwhile, the sun and the clear pebbles of the rain are moving across the landscapes, over the prairies and the deep trees, the mountains and the rivers. Meanwhile, the wild geese, high in the clean blue air, are heading home again. Whoever you are, no matter how lonely, the world offers itself to your imagination, calls to you like the wild geese, harsh 
and exciting, over and over announcing your place in the family of things. We're going to do something a little bit different for our centering today. You'll see at the bottom of the bulletin that the flowers this Sunday are presented by Celeste and Andrew in honor of someone that they love very, very much. Can you say her name, please? Hurrier. Beautiful. And somewhere between the office and the road and the delivery and the florist, they didn't get here. And yet, so much love was poured into that plan. I want you, during our time of silence, just imagine the most beautiful bouquet made of love. Sitting up here, for me, it would be oranges and reds and sunflowers. I don't know what they actually ordered. But it can be your favorite colors, too. So if you will... Make in your mind a bouquet filled with love for Hurrier in the front of the church this morning in honor of what would have been her 86th birthday earlier this month. And now let us enter into the wise silence together, understanding that sounds of life and tiny noises from children are part of the silence in this congregation. Your confusion 
a mask of self-hate This upset and Don't walk away Sinking down, sinking down, sinking down when I was sinking down, sinking down when I was sinking down beneath my sorrow's ground. Friends to me gathered around, oh my soul, oh my soul. Friends to me gathered around, oh my soul. I was at um, Walter Reed Army Medical Center learning how to be a hospital chaplain, which is part of ministry training. And my supervisor was talking to us all fresh, shiny new chaplains in our little white chaplain jackets. And he said, almost the worst thing you can do for someone who is feeling ill is to be a cheerleader for them. What they want and need is compassion. Compassion means feeling with. 
someone. He said, I'm going to tell you a story about the Bataan Death March. So there was an old priest who had been rounded up as a prisoner of war by the Japanese, and he had made a young friend, another prisoner of war. And as the march went on day after day after day, not enough food, not enough water, the priest would fall back in the line, getting closer and closer to the end. And his friend fell back with him, even though he could have been at the beginning of the line. He said um, to his young friend, I, I'm really almost at the end. I, do, I just don't think I can go on. And his friend said to him, I know. I'm not sure I can go on either. And day after day, when the priest would say, I really, I think I just need to sit down. I know they'll shoot me, but I just need to sit down. His young friend said to him, yeah, I feel like I need to sit down too. I, I'm just not sure I can put one foot in front of the other anymore. And like that, they both made it to the end. And our supervisor said, feeling with someone is so much more than saying to them, come on, you can do it. You can do it. It'll be all right. It's going to be fine. I'm right here with you. I'll help you. He said, don't do that to people who are sick. So there are lots of moments when in our lives we feel like our little spark has gone out. We feel overwhelmed with our lives or our responsibilities or other people's expectations or their messages to us about ourselves. We feel like nothing's going to change for the better. We're never going to find what we seek. There's never going to be sweetness or love for us anymore. Happiness is a thing we barely remember. And for the fortunate ones among us, that feeling lasts for a couple of days, maybe even a week. But some people have that all the time. Struggle with terrible, empty pain all the time. And the voices inside that watch and criticize you, you know what I'm talking about? If you don't know what I'm talking about, you're a rare minority. The voices that watch and criticize just batten on and feed on your spirit. And sometimes you get to a place where you just don't have the energy to make choices or do anything Sometimes people can keep functioning, um, and they put on a brave face, and maybe nobody knows they're feeling depressed. But it takes a tremendous amount of effort to do that. And it can hurt physically. It can hurt mentally. Your body can ache while your soul aches. For some people their symptom of depression is that they can't get out of bed. They just want to sleep all the time. And other people, uh, they can't sleep. 
or they're sleepy all the time, but when they get in bed, their brain goes and takes them into worry land and they just can't sleep. And some people just eat everything in sight. And part of that is just chemistry and hormones. Like uh, a lot of people were, were eating after, I have a friend who after 9-11, I'll use a tragedy that's farther in the past than the more recent ones. Um, after 9-11, she, I mean, she's a regular, normal-sized person who usually eats intelligently. She went through a big bag of M&Ms in two days just because 9-11 had just happened. Depression isn't sadness, really, although feelings of sadness are part of depression. If you're sad, usually you're sad because of some reason. I mean, you're sad for a reason. You lost something precious to you, or a dream has died, or you have physical limitations you didn't have before, or um, somebody has <clears throat> treated you badly, or you treated someone badly and feel terrible about it. That's sadness, and it's really healthy and appropriate. It's sometimes when you're in a bad feeling, uh, in a bad situation, it's it's appropriate to feel bad, and nobody should be like mentally healthy enough to sail through a bad depression or a terrible diagnosis with their head held high and their eyes sparkling. You know what I mean? If, if you're going through a terrible situation with your head held high and your eyes sparkling, there's something wrong with you. <laughs> something else. So sometimes distress is an appropriate emotion and sometimes sadness is an appropriate emotion and sometimes anger is an appropriate emotion. And a lot of times, for men especially, depression will manifest as anger. You're just mad all the time. Raged all the time. Grinding your teeth with it. Yelling at the TV. Of course, now that's a normal thing to do. So. <laughs> and in teenagers, often, uh, depression manifests as irritation. Anybody ever known an irritable teenager? Um, I, I think it's very, 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 very common for some depression and confusion to manifest as irritation, irritability. So anger is, is a healthy emotion. It's meant to tell us when we're in a bad situation. It's meant to tell us when we need to move, when we need to do something different. But sometimes you're forced by circumstances or by your lack of imagination to stay in a situation that's really destructive to you, and that can lead to depression. So you're mad at first because things are not right. Your boundaries are being violated. You're being treated badly. Um, somebody's hurting you. And if you have to stay in that situation, sometimes that can get really depressing. Depressing. Um, low self-esteem and feelings of inferiority are part of depression, although almost everybody feels those. Those are part of the human condition, at least at times. I mean, almost every one of us has felt at times like we're the new kid at camp and everybody knows the words to all the songs that we don't know. And so we just try to fake it and sing watermelon, watermelon until we learn the words. Or we feel like everybody's gotten this this book of techniques of how to be sociable and how to get a good job and how to keep your job and how to stay in a relationship and all of these 
things other people seem to know that you don't you didn't get that book and you're having to learn it all by trial and error. A lot of people feel like that. I this is an aside. I was going through a drive-through years and years and years ago with uh, my wife, and she um, was having trouble talking to the speaker. And uh, so, well, she she was giving her order, and the speaker lady uh, misunderstood, and so she had to say it again. The speaker lady misunderstood again, and um, and then she said it wrong, and the speaker lady got all confused. And when we got up to the window, the speaker lady, who turned out to be a real person, um, was, uh, you know, she, she, she gave us the food, and we drove away, and my wife said, I feel terrible for confusing her. And I said, I'm going to tell you a deep, dark secret, and you have to use it only for good. She said, what? I said, she thinks it's her fault. Almost always. If you're dealing with female, <laughs> she's going to think it's her fault. And a lot of men, too. And everyone in between. So I just told you something that you could use for evil, but don't do it. So a lot of us feel, in comparison to other people, that we are big losers. <laughs> and I... I learned in 12-step program that uh, I went to Al-Anon for a long time because I was a college chaplain and I had so many alcoholic students, they were running me ragged. I had no idea. Um, I thought when they said, oh, I'm going to stop drinking, thank you so much for talking to me. (laughs) I thought, oh, good. They're going to stop drinking. (laughs) Uh, Yeah, I was young. Anyway, I went to Al-Anon and I learned... Don't compare your insides to their outsides. A sure way to feel terrible about yourself, because you know all about your insides. If you're comparing your insides to the outside of your neighbor, or to the outside of the other people at the club, or the outside of the other people on the Pepsi commercial, for God's sake, um, those people are so shiny. Um, I used to think I was the only one whose body had pain. I was watching other people just, you know, bike and run and do and dance, and I thought, they don't have any pain. (laughs) And now I know almost everybody's got something that hurts. Am I right? Does anybody have something that hurts? (laughs) See? And um, it doesn't mean you're doing anything wrong. It's just you're living in a human body. And I kind of, I don't know where I got the idea that's the only one. I was the only one living in a human body, but I'm not. And depression has been around for a really long time. And King Saul, in the Jewish scriptures, uh, suffered from depression, and he would call the little shepherd boy, David, to play upon his harp. Hallelujah, David, play upon your harp, and make Saul feel better. And um, the ancient Greek doctors had lots of cures for depression or recommendations. Hippocrates recommended a vegetable diet and abstinence from all excesses. Um, Other doctors said, tell dirty jokes. It'll really make you feel better. (laughs) Balbo was the name of a Greek goddess who was a crone, an old lady who used to do lewd, she was a goddess who did lewd dancing and told dirty jokes um, for her worshipers. (laughs) 
I'm sure her children were very embarrassed. Some people recommend uh, gratitude practice, which works unless you're having clinical depression and then you just don't have the energy for gratitude. I had this um, friend who was a librarian named Rita, and I used to say, I, when I came to the library where the chaplain's office was, her office was right ahead of me, and I'd go, hey, Rita, how are you doing? And she'd go, I'm down to counting my blessings. There have been lots of biomedical discoveries. There's lots of medicine that really helps with the symptoms of depression. Exercise helps a, a huge amount with the symptoms of depression, although if you're really, really depressed, you just can't. You know that's going to help you, but you just can't do it. Um, a lot of times people are ashamed to try medicine. They go, I can do this myself, which is what mm, hardly anybody says about cancer or diabetes. But for some reason about depression, people don't act like it's a sickness, although it's a chemical sickness in your body. And um, unless you're going to try to get over cancer on your own, you might not want to try to get over depression on your own. You might want to reach out. And medicines aren't the be-all and end-all, and they all have side effects. And some of them poop out after four or five years of working, and you have to change. And some of them just don't work for some people, and they do for other people. <clears throat> there's no perfect cure. And lots of things can mimic depression, like thyroid dysfunction and like um, hormone imbalance and food allergies and sensitivity to light as seasons change and medications, head injuries, uh, hypoglycemia, diabetes, all these things can mimic depression. Um, So you have to check all those other things out, too, and you don't have the energy to do that either. So sometimes the very, very, very most you can do, which is like climbing Mount Everest, is to pick up the phone and call somebody and come clean and say, I am not handling this. I need help. Talk to me. There's no shame in it, and there's no reason to be embarrassed, because it can be deadly. It can kill you. We all have friends who have died from depression. So, um, some of us uh, have worked as therapists, and I worked as, ther as a therapist full-time 100 years ago when um, they thought that depression was anger turned inward. They don't think that anymore, I don't think. But we used to work with cognitive behavior therapy um, change your thinking along with medication. Change your thinking. Uh, have better self-talk. Don't talk to yourself in an abusive way. Don't call yourself stupid. Don't call yourself ugly. Speak to yourself kindly. Call yourself honey pie. Sweetheart. Say things like, we can do this. You got this. To yourself. Sometimes it's our inner critic that's eating us alive, <clears throat> and uh, we have to figure out what to do with our inner critic, especially if we think it's God. Some people grew up with a God that was very disappointed in you and just watched you shaking God's head and rolling God's eyes. So your inner critic 
is hard to get rid of, and it's hard to make it shut up. Mine's a, mine's a him, so I just say, um, make him shut up. So what I have done with my inner critic is, usually I think I've told some of y'all this before, I've given him a whole beautiful classroom at UT in my mind, and he has um, students who are extraordinarily intelligent, and they nod at everything he says and take notes. And what he says is just how terrible I am and um, what I'm doing wrong and what I should have said instead of what I actually said, what I should have worn instead of what I actually worn, wore. And, um, and he just tells them all about it. And then I can shut the door and go on with my life. Reframing situations can help. Speaking your truth can help. Really, almost any therapy works as well as any other therapy the studies show, disappointingly, to a therapist. Um, But it just depends on what your relationship with your therapist is. And I want to tell you a story about reframing for a second. Um, I, I watched a guy cure himself in one day by reframing. He came into my my office, and he was red-rimmed, eyes drawn. He had been suffering. He was maybe 40. And he said, I finally decided to get help because I've just been obsessed with how my father used to hurt my mother in secret. And I said, oh my goodness, tell me about that. He said, well, I would, you know, as a kid, I would go to bed and I would hear the noises of him hurting her. And I said, Noises like what? And he started saying the noises that he'd heard, imitating them, and I just looked at him. And he went, oh. was a heck of a reframe. (laughs) He's like, here's your hundred dollars. I'll see you. (laughs) I want to talk about suicide for a minute because that's why depression kills. People take their own lives because of the pain they're in. And I don't judge them or blame them because pain can be terrible. And sometimes people don't have the energy to kill themselves when they're suffering from depression. And so that's why antidepressant medications have those suicide warnings because you start feeling a little better, suddenly you have the energy to kill yourself. So it's really important to get through that stage of your medication. Um... One thing I think is that some people, I mean, just can't live with their pain, and, that, and that's up to them. And another thing I think is maybe you do need to kill off part of your life. Maybe you need to kill off that job or kill off that marriage, or maybe you need to kill off the place where you're living and just go somewhere else, do something else, be somebody else. Just kill off the person you are right now and go be somebody else. If you can, just try it. Then you can kill yourself later if it doesn't work. I mean, speaking practically, go to Haiti and help out for a while. See if you still want to do that. 
I, uh, I was in bad shape by being too tired um, working two part-time jobs and having two small children. And I was driving um, past an accident, and I saw someone being loaded into the ambulance on a stretcher. And my thought was, that looks restful. And my second thought was, uh-oh. <laughs> and so I, I went home and I told my then husband that I was going to have, I was going to be dead for a day. I said, I, 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 need to have, I need to have a day where I just play dead. And I don't want to really be dead, but I really need to not do anything. And he said, okay. And I didn't want my children to hear, you know, mommy's playing dead. That's not cheerful for children. But um, I did just lie on the couch. And they played all around. And every time he would say, hey, can you, I would go. Oh, yeah, I remember. I got it. I got it. So you might want to play dead even for a week. I don't know. I don't know the answer, but here's what I do know. I know that if you stay by yourself and try to fight it on your own, it might, it might be the shame that leads to your death. Sometimes shame can be a good teacher, but sometimes shame is trying to kill you. Good to know the difference. Will you please say with me the words by which we extinguish our chalice? We extinguish this flame, but not the light of truth, the warmth of community, or the fire of commitment. These we hold in our hearts until we are together again. Sing with me or just listen. The lone wild bird in Light is still with thee, nor leaves thy sight. But I am thine, I rest in thee. Great Spirit, come and rest in me. Go in peace. This is a production of the First Unitarian Universalist Church of Austin. For more information, go to our website at austinuu.org.